right. Good morning, everyone. Glad you can join us today. Today's message is entitled, Do Not Fear, But Pray. And um, this is something that is very, um, can be very near and dear to us, or it can be very far from us, um, based on how much we actually do pray. <laughs> when we come to church, it's easier to pray because, you know, I, I lead us to pray. <laughs> pray. Um, but when it comes to our day-to-day, uh, how much do we actually pray? And this becomes very important because we start to get overwhelmed a lot of times when it comes to life, right? Especially this question here today, what are you worried about, right? What are you scared about? I know we're in the new year, but there are some stuff that we are carrying over from 2022 into 2023 that still worry us that still make us scared. Um, And when it comes to these issues and problems, it's easy to see the problems and rightfully complain and worry about them, right? Rightfully, right? I'm not saying you guys are crybabies if you complain. No, a lot of times it's rightful that you complain about certain things because it's happening, right, to you. But... Us being right, does that change the circumstance and situation? Sadly, a lot of times, no, it doesn't. Um, Being right is almost like, you know, your own kind of brownie point for yourself. You're like, at least I know I'm right, you know. But a lot of times, it doesn't give yourself life. It might give you a momentary gleam of joy, but that's what it is. It's just a gleam meaning temporary, and then you still have to face the problem. You see, Satan, he uses worry and fear to lead humanity ultimately to despair. Despair is the goal, right? So Satan utilizes his tool belt of fear. Fear is a satanic attack, you know, in a lot of ways, where he utilizes these fears to make us react, right? Um, And I I like this um, saying, fear is a reaction. But when it comes to faith, it comes to a decision that we make. Faith is a decision. Fear, a lot of times, is just a reaction. And that's the difference. We react. We live in a very reactionary world today. Our social media, react, like it, (laughs) double tap, right? Swipe up, swipe left, swipe right, (laughs) swiping everything, right? Everything is reactionary. Everything is very superficial in that way. And this is something that we have to be aware of when it comes to life, because living like this is not ideal for humanity. Um, and we, we see the fruits of that. We see the results of that today with all the problems that we see with uh, mental health, spiritual health even, and leading to a lot of physical problems because all of these things are connected. Our mental, our spiritual, and our physical well-being, they're all very much tied together. One affects the other. And when 
one part is off, then usually it affects the other parts. That's just what, how humans are made, as the Bible shows us. And this is something that we have to be aware of when we live our lives, where we need to communicate with the one who made us, right? Because then we discover what we're made for. We discover what, what is the bigger purpose. What is the bigger plan behind the problem even? And this is something that we'll see as we go through the life of Joseph. We see in today's passage, Joseph's brothers coming up with a scheme, right? When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, oh shoot, <laughs> what are we Joseph might actually be holding his anger because father was alive. That's what they're thinking. And they're like, we need to come up with a plan. And this is what I call a humanistic method, right? Um, because Joseph's brothers saw a problem and they were living in fear. <laughs> they end up living in lies. And this is no different from how they were growing up when Joseph was younger. This is how they lived. They lived in fear. They lived in lies. Joseph actually tattletailed on his brothers when he was little. That was part of why they were so angry with him, because they would goof off, not do their work. And then Joseph would bring a report, a bad report to his father saying, your sons, my older brothers, they're, they're not doing their work. And then they would get in trouble. They'll you know, give a stink eye to Joseph. And this led to all kinds of issues with Joseph's life. And this is Joseph's covenant journey. He was sold to slavery. He was sold to slavery to Potiphar's household. And then he was jailed because the wife of Potiphar framed him because he would not do as she told him to do, to you know, have an affair with her. And he ran away. But her being Potiphar's wife, her word against his, a slave, and he was thrown into jail. But eventually, somehow, some way, he was victorious and <laughs> came before Pharaoh and interpreted his dream and became second in command of all of Egypt, becoming the governor of Egypt. How in the world did this happen? If you look at Joseph's life, this is problem after problem after problem. He, well, his problem goes even further back because he... When he was growing up, when he was a young child, his mother passed away. And on top of that, his brothers hated him. So being sold into slavery, that, that was supposed to be the end. When you're sold into slavery, you're no longer human. You are somebody's possession. That means no life. But somehow, some way, God blessed the work that he did. So much so that he reached the top, the pinnacle of what a slave can do, being the governor of the house, being in charge of the activities of the household. He made it. Victory. <laughs> That's the best a slave could become, and he reached it. But now, Potiphar's wife, she was up to no good. And she got him in trouble. So it's like, dang, you know, you, you have this great victory and now you, you, you lose again? You go to jail? For what? 
But we see Joseph doing something very odd. He, he doesn't complain. It, there's no record of him saying, Potiphar, you know your wife. <laughs> you know she's a troublemaker. You know my innocence. He doesn't do that. Why? Because there was a bigger plan that he knew. For those who are part of our Wednesday Bible study, we, we, we went through Joseph, and Joseph, as a young child, had dreams, right? He had two dreams, one where he had sheaves of wheat, and all of his brothers and mother and father's sheaves bowed down to his sheaf. A second dream was the star, moon, and uh, sun were bowing down to him, representing his family. And he got in trouble for that. But the reason why he had those dreams was because of the covenant given to Joseph. Joseph was given and taught about the covenant that was given to Abraham to be a source of good news to all nations, to all the families of the world. That was what was given to Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, to go to the promised land. And this is the blessing and covenant that Joseph held on to. How can I be a blessing to all nations? So this problem started to change as he held on to this covenant. He was on a different, different beat, a different uh, script than what the world says he should be. world says you should be dead. <laughs> you should not exist. You should be a total failure. You have to understand, when you go to jail, your life ends. Especially in this time, you go to jail, you're dead. That's basically a death sentence. But he doesn't go to any jail. He goes to a jail made for political prisoners. So it's a nicer jail. And that's where he meets the cupbearer and the baker, who are both officials to Pharaoh. He interprets their dream. One would die a very gruesome death, and the other would be restored to his post. And Joseph asks the man that was going to be restored to his post, don't forget about me when you are restored. And guess what happens? He has forgotten. <laughs> but a couple years later, we see the cupbearer who forgot about Joseph remember. And this is where uh, the blessing starts to take place. So the problem, there were a lot of problems. But Joseph, he saw God's plan in the midst of the problems. He saw each problem as rightful. Have you ever thought about, like, have you ever thought about your situation that way? My problem that I'm facing is rightful. <laughs> Doesn't that sound weird? It's such a weird perspective to have. What I'm going through is, is rightful. And let me kind of exp uh, explain that a little bit. Joseph, he had this covenant. And slavery looked, looked horrible to any, any person. But it was the path for which he can carry out the dream that was given to him. Slavery was a trip to Egypt safely, 
because why the slave the people that are the uh, sellers of these slaves have to protect their merchandise so he safely was able to arrive in Egypt the epicenter the powerhouse of that region in the world at that time and God blessed him when he was put in Potiphar's household but even when he was wrongfully jailed it wasn't any jail it was a political jail and that was the pathway to Pharaoh that's the closest he got to Pharaoh this political jail and it was here I'm pretty sure Joseph felt a little nervous because when he was forgotten he's like how, how else am I going to get out of here <laughs> to meet Pharaoh but God he had all the plans laid out even him staying that extra time in jail was the perfect timing for him to actually become of age to be one of the leaders of Egypt when you see the problem in this perspective, the spiritual perspective, why it is rightful, why things happen the way they do. Sometimes it's for the worse, or for the bad, or for the good. Being able to see a problem because there's some things that I've neglected to do, or seeing a problem through uh, this is the direction to, uh, in which God wants me to go to. Either or, both become blessings where you don't have to remain stuck the way you are. Sometimes it's hard to come to, that, come to grips that what is rightful isn't pleasant. But when we discover God's plan behind a problem, we're able to then find what is necessary. Why did God call me here to save many lives? Why did God call me here so I can see his bigger plan? This is what Joseph started to see. And he started to discover what was absolute, discovering the answers that transcend the problem, where it doesn't matter if it's him, you, me, whatever. This answer is the answer for everybody. This is the kind of answer that Joseph received where he received the wisdom to give life to others. He became second in command of Egypt because he was able to interpret Pharaoh's dream that for seven years there will be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of severe famine. And God gave him that kind of wisdom. And on top of that, gave him wisdom to know how to handle all the resources during the seven years of plenty. That takes a lot, if you think about it, a lot of engineering knowledge a lot of like economics, but God gave him the wisdom to know how to lead, how to guide as Pharaoh placed him as governor of Egypt. And he was one to save many lives. This is important for us to be able to see God's plan through the problems because a lot of times we fail to see God's plan because we allow the problems to be our God in a way our problems become the center of our lives. We almost, it's a weird way of saying it, but we almost idolize our problem, making it the center of everything. We live for, we, we die for our problem. But God, he has given us his plan in midst of it where we don't have to remain 
and go on this path towards destruction, but being able to, by his word, find life. And this is what Joseph was able to see. He was able to see the power of God, the power of the throne take place in his life, where Joseph, he received God's grace to change Egypt, to change the world around him, and to actually change his family. We need God's, we need this kind of grace to do this work. It's not, hey, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I want to, you know, rep, represent God. I want to rep God, you know. So I'm going to try some awesome things. Like, good for you. <laughs> but don't do it with your own strength because you're, you are limiting yourself. You need God's grace to accomplish his mission, his calling for your life. We may have this overall picture of world evangelization, being able to reach all people, all nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the problem is the step-by-step, -step, right? What are the details to get to that big picture? What is the details to get to impacting people? How can I get there? And it's those details that we need to be able to trust God with. Because those details are where we mess up a lot of times. It's in those details that we fall to fear. We fall to kind of the crises that are taking place around us. And we miss the big picture as well. It's almost like a dream, right? It's fantasy. World evangelization, reaching the world, me, my life, it seems so far away. But this is the beauty of the gospel, where we're not left to just fear or disappointing ourselves or feeling that we are unable to. But God gives us grace to start seeing how it is possible. For me, um, being able to share the gospel was one of my biggest like, fears, like outside of the church with strangers. <laughs> and I'm not saying this is the only way to evangelize. There's so many ways to do so. But it really opened my eyes to how much fear I actually had. And in doing so, understanding the gospel and actually enjoying the gospel, I started to see why this is the answer for the people that I'm actually sharing this with. It's not just, you know, join us, join, join the Christian club. It's not that. People are genuinely struggling. People are genuinely living life on their own without any, any help to the point where they're just slowly being destroyed from the inside out. It's just that we, we assume people are okay because of our eyes, right? Our, our physical senses tell us, oh, they look okay, so that, mean, that must mean that they are okay. But when you actually get to know people, talk with them, get to know them a little bit, you start to see the cracks. We start to see the scars. We start to see that people are not perfect. We start to see their true spiritual state. 
And it's not, hey, we need to look down on everybody. That's not the point. <laughs> That's not what I'm trying to get to. Is we need to actually see the reality of our field. We need to actually get to know the people in our field so that we know how to pray for them. We know how to then connect the word that we receive today to the people that are around us. This is all we need to do to see the power of God work through our lives, to see the step-by-step, -step, to see the details start to take place. It comes to our conclusion here where it's these three things. Having this time to pray is so important. I don't know how often you are able to pray throughout or how, how often you pray. Everyone can pray <laughs> throughout the week. It's just we choose not to or we forget to. Um, how often do you pray? I'm not talking about before a meal, <laughs> which is a good start, but before the day starts. Maybe before your class begins, before you drive, right? Um, that's something, that's a habit that my mom instilled in me. It's like, before I drive off somewhere, start the engine, quick prayer, and then go. <laughs> we need that time of prayer. But not just any prayer. Prayer that is focused on the flow of the messages, and this is so important because a lot of times we forget the message. <laughs> and that's why we have it on, online too, so that you can go back and see. But there is a flow to these messages too. Flow to these messages for your life as well. Even today's message, really make today's message into prayer topics that you can pray about for this week. One thing that you remember today, jot it down somewhere. Make it your prayer request for this week and see how God answers that word this week and record it. And when you start to record week by week how God is answering the word that you receive, there is a flow and direction to it. The details start to reveal itself where God wants you to go. This is what we call our three todays something that we need to focus on daily. Having that time of prayer, holding on to the word, and praying for the people around us, right? Evangelism. The people that you plan to meet that day. It could be a coworker. It could be family members. Pray for them. If you have kind of that reservation or fear, <laughs> whatever it is, it's okay. I'm not telling you to go you know, shove the gospel down their throats. Pray for them. Break down what Satan has built up around their lives. Pray for them. And in God's time schedule, he'll give you the words to say. It's just that we need to begin to pray, right? We need to begin somewhere. Because then you start to see the power of God work through your life. And that's what today's word is about, right? Instead of just being stuck in fear, being stuck in worry, being stuck in the problems that are taking place in our country, in our nation, in our state, in our city, pray. But not just any random prayer or not just the same old, same old. 
pray holding on to the word that you received today first, and then you can pray the same old, same old, <laughs> you know? Because the word is what God will speak to you through. It's through the word he speaks to us. It's through the word that he speaks to me. Today's word is as valid to me as it is to you. What am I fearing? I need to lay that down before God in prayer. How is my prayer life? That's something that I need to continue to build upon to know Christ more and more. And this is something that I want to challenge our church as a whole. And 2023, that's something that I want to um, really uh, guide our church towards is how can we communicate with God more often, more frequently, not just on Sundays. Sundays, it's easier to pray because I say pray, you know, let us pray. But how about Monday? Is prayer far from us? Is God's word far from us? If God's word is far from us, just remember Sunday pulpit. Start, start from there. Because the Sunday message is based on God's word, right? Start from there. If you are more wanting to challenge yourself, then get into the word. Start reading the Bible as we start this year. If you, wanna, if you want a place to start, definitely you can start with the Gospels. A lot of people start with the Gospel of John, but you can start with any of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Start there. If you want to know more about the church, the early church, and how God formed the early church and the blessings that we can receive as a church, go through the book of Acts. You start to see how God is piecing the church together and what course we're trying to go on as a church. If you want to know more theology, <laughs> then you can study the book of Romans. There's just so much that we can learn through the word of God. If you just need the wisdom, wisdom for today, like I um, proposed before, go through the book of Proverbs. There are 31, books, uh, 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. So whatever date it is, today is the 15th, you can read Proverbs 15. It's a great kind of um, way to read scripture. Whatever it is, hold on to the Sunday message. Hold on to prayer and really hold on to the people that are around you. Remember to pray for them. And, you know, get to know the people that are around you so you know how to pray for them because, you know, a lot of times people don't care about people. And that's so sad because God created us to be a community to interact with one another. Because why? We're created in his image. The triune God is self-sufficient. He doesn't need us as a community. He's a perfect community within, within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But he invites us. He calls us. He loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to die on our behalf so that we can have community with him and community with each other. <laughs>